to see you this morning. Not quite sure what happened to the chairs at the side, but um, at the end, if you want to come and do some dancing or aerobics or whatever, you're welcome to come and fill in the space. And if you are watching us online this morning, hello and welcome. It's great to see you today as well. As Nigel mentioned earlier, we are um, continuing with our Renew series, and I am trying to use the magic buttons today as well as talk to you, which for me is a bit like kind of patting my head and rubbing my stomach. So all being well, we'll manage to, to get through this together. Renew is a word that when we prayed earlier this year, we felt that God gave us this word as a kind of umbrella, if you like, of themes to carry us through this year. It's something that he wants to do with us as individuals and as a church family. And there are four different aspects to it. We're looking at renewing our commitment to Jesus. We're looking at renewing our community life and relationships. Um, who was around at the barbecue last Sunday? Anyone stay behind afterwards? Yeah, there's a, a few of us, weren't there? Well, more than a few. There were a good crowd of us. And then we have our life boots, which have started this week. And as Nigel's just mentioned, we've got the church weekend away coming up too. So lots of opportunities to renew our community life and relationships. We're looking to renew an understanding of our calling and our vision and our purpose as individuals and together as a church family. And also renewing our expectation of the Holy Spirit's presence and power with us. And that's what we're talking about particularly today and in this series over the next few weeks. Now last week in the All Age Service, Nigel highlighted some of the descriptions and metaphors used to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And those of you who are here will have known that Holy Spirit bingo got pretty competitive, didn't it? Looking at Mike and Debbie over there, yes, you got your chocolates. <laughs> and can anyone remember some of the words that are used to describe the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Why don't you shout them out? Wind was one, great, thank you. Oil, thanks. Fire. Water, very topical. Do you know, I am standing under a hole in the roof and um, I can feel it dripping on me. And when I was, I'll let you into a funny secret, a few weeks ago it was ministry time and um, when, when God comes amongst us, we sense him in different ways and I felt this dripping on my head. I thought, oh, I wonder if it's the Lord. And I looked up and thought, no, actually there is a hole in the roof, which we thought we'd fixed and just needs a little bit more work. So I'm aware of that today. <laughs> I, mean, I need to stay here though, so those of you who are watching can still see me in short. That's why I'm not moving. So Nigel talked about those words which describe the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And these are just a way of trying to kind of put into words who he is and what he does and what he's like. And I've, as I've been preparing this week, I've been really struck that there is so much more to know of him and learn about him. And the descriptions in the Bible, those words don't always kind of fully do him justice, do they? And I thought about it, I thought it's kind of like trying to describe a sunset you know, some of you are really good with words. And when you see a picture like that, I wonder what you, you would do if you were trying to describe this as somebody who'd never seen a sunset before. You might look at the colors, you might think about how the light falls, but it's a pretty tricky thing to describe, isn't it? Or equally, this is my dad. And I could describe my dad to you. Um, he is about so tall, he's got blue eyes, he's got a very ready smile. I could tell you the things that he likes to do. But it's not the same as actually experiencing him. And when we think about God as the Holy Spirit, it's really important that we have good theology, we understand what the Bible says to us, but it's also really important that we have experience too. The two go together. And in the Bible, God's word here describes to us who he is and what he's like. 
but we also have to encounter him for ourselves. You know, with my dad, he could send me an email, he could send you an email. He might send you a check in the post. You know, Dad, if you're watching, we're not averse to that. But actually, to get to know him better, what we need to do is meet and spend time with him and experience him. And it's exactly the same with God. And today I wondered if you would like to just consciously take a moment. Take a moment to pause and to choose to encounter him again. We had that lovely time in worship, didn't we? Where we sang songs that reminded us of who he is and who we are. And now if you are somebody who doesn't know anything of the Holy Spirit, you might be on your, your journey just to find out. And perhaps in this moment, might, you, you might say, Holy Spirit, would you just come and reveal yourself to me? Just come and show me who you are and what you're like. Or perhaps you're somebody who has known and experienced him a lot in the past, and this is familiar territory to you. And equally, you might want to say, Holy Spirit, just come and show me some more. So our first question today is, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? <laughs> now the Bible is full of this, and so this is just a very short whistle-stop tour. He's often called the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, there's Jesus his Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. But he's definitely not the third in importance. They are equal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were all God, they're all divine. And they are co-eternal. They all live together and they all live forever. Now, the Spirit of God himself was at present at creation. This is in Genesis 1.1. It tells us he was hovering over the water. He conceived Jesus in Mary's womb. The power of the Most High God came upon her. The angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the Most High. He anointed Jesus to preach and do the stuff. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted. He is the power. He is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And he empowers the church to live the life and do the works of Jesus. And if you want to um, dig into that a bit more, you might just, might just want to take a photo of the screen so you've got those Bible references. And as I've been preparing this week, I have found this book really helpful. It's by Simon Ponsonby. It's called God Inside Out an in-depth study of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to dig in some more, you want to refresh your understanding of him, or you want to find out more, I highly recommend this one. In this book, he talks about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's like. He gives lots of Bible references to look up. And then he, he says this, which I thought was just a wonderful quote. He, the Holy Spirit, is more than an accompanying presence. He is the indwelling, abiding remaining presence. He is God who sets up home in us, who unites with us at the core of our being. So today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't just have an accompanying presence. The Holy Spirit isn't just someone who's kind of on the outside. He is the indwelling, abiding, remaining presence of God he set up his home in you, in me. He unites with us at the core of his being. 
And some of the verses that describe that are just there on the screen too. So the Holy Spirit is most definitely a person. He's not an essence, he's not a power. He's not a vague or distant or abstract or incommunicable force. Gosh, that's a bit of a tongue twister. But he's the God who we experience, the God who encounters us, the God who is with us and for us. And in this series, as we are looking to renew our expectation and our understanding of him, we want to be open to all he wants to do amongst us. Now this week, Nigel and I were just reflecting on where we're seeing him at work in the church family at the moment. And I'm hoping this is a bit of a reminder to you. I'm hoping you'll know about these things already. But over on the left-hand side of the screen is a picture of lovely Nanette who's going, oh, I didn't know my face was on the screen this morning. Nice picture, Nanette. She shared a wonderful testimony, which you might have seen on social media or you might have received in our newsletter this week, of all God is doing in her heart through the churches, through the changes that heal course that we've been running. She wasn't the only testimony. We've heard some other ones over the past few weeks. How people who have courageously looked at their lives and their past and the relationships they have and have looked at what the Bible says about who they are and have shared with a group and prayed for one another and are seeing really real change in their lives. That's the Holy Spirit at work. You know, that middle picture is just a little shot to show you about the Storehouse Cafe. Last week, for the first time, um, we, we started a, a new initiative within the Storehouse. You may be aware of our toy fair, which runs at Christmas time, and it's a similar principle. So the team invited people from the local community to come to have coffee and a piece of Alison's amazing lemon and elderflower cake. If you haven't had that, you've got to try it. But also to have time for a chat, to be given school uniform and baby equipment and clothes where they needed that. And also to be able to encounter and co or to, to connect with Citizens Advice Bureau and Christians Against Poverty who help with debt advice and um, the food bank. And so this was an opportunity for people within our community to come and get help and support. And it could only have happened because people in our community and our church family have looked to love beyond themselves. And not self-centered and thinking, well, I've got free time this morning when I go and do my own thing. But have actually chosen to give their time and energy and effort to help and serve those people who need it. And then finally, there's our youth bus on the side. You can see it if you look out the window. That's where our youth have gone this morning. And a few months ago, well, several months ago now, we invited, we applied for a grant to put the logo, to put the words on the side of the bus, if you remember. And we invited you to kind of like on Facebook, on Instagram, and get involved to see if we could win this grant. And actually, at the last minute, we were pipped to the post and we didn't get it, which was a bit disappointing. But you know, the following week, somebody from our church family came to us and said, we've got some extra resource. We'd really love to, it to go towards this. And they provided the money to put the logo on the side of the bus. And with that money, they could have gone on holiday. They could have bought new uniform, new outfits. They could have done a whole range of different things. But actually, because the Holy Spirit is at work within their hearts, they were encouraged towards even more generosity. So we see him at work in lots of different ways amongst us. That's been a story of this church family ever since you and Ginny planted this church many years ago. And we want to continue to press in for more. We want to continue to have him working more in our hearts and more in our lives and overflowing into our community. 
And in this season, we're becoming kind of more aware of his presence sometimes on Sundays and in our other meetings and gatherings. We're taking a little bit more time to wait for him. And we've started our Come Holy Spirit Nights on a Wednesday. And you know, a few people I've talked to have been hugely honest with me. And I find it's, I was so grateful for their honesty. Because they said, when we take time to wait, I don't actually know what we're waiting for. And maybe that's your experience too. Now, perhaps some of you have lived through seasons where you've seen God at work in different ways. And you've been through to churches or places or conferences where the Holy Spirit is really obviously active amongst us, not just in the quiet of our hearts, but you can see different things happening. Whereas for others of us, maybe those who are younger or haven't been around church so long, this is something that's new, it's not so familiar. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about this today. So when we say we're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, what are we actually waiting for? And these are some questions I was just going to run through. What can we expect? Do I have to shake, rattle, or roll? You know, sometimes you see people shaking. How can I get ready for him? And what are the results? And so the first question is this. So when we're waiting, what are we waiting for? What can we expect? Well, as I've already said, we're not waiting for a thing. We're waiting for God himself. We're waiting for a person to come and make himself known amongst us. The Bible's really clear that God is everywhere all the time, so he's always here. But when we wait together, we're saying, God, would you come and make us more aware that you're here with us? And so what do we expect in those moments? At the end of the service, we'll have time to go. We'll stand up and say, we're just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Well, let's think about who he is. The Bible tells us that he is the comforter. He's the encourager. He's our counselor. He's a guide. It's quite heavy, isn't it? But he convicts us of sin. You know, we know him as the Holy Spirit. But I was reading in a different translation this week, and they called him the Spirit of Holiness. I thought, oh. That's why it's called Holy Spirit. We can get a bit familiar with his name. But he can't coexist well where there's sin. And so he points out the things that are wrong in our hearts and in our lives. Not to rub it in, not to, be, to kind of make us feel bad. But because he so longs to be with us that he wants to get rid of the stuff that gets in between us and God. He's the one who shows us that we're adopted as sons. Now, ladies, we've got to kind of get a bit over this one. If we are sons and daughters of God, that's true. But in the Bible, it talks about being adopted as a son. And the reason that that's important is of what that meant when the Bible was written. So being adopted as a son gave you a whole load of kind of rights and responsibilities and things that you could experience. And people looked to adopt sons into the family so they could help to learn to learn to lead the family well and so we're adopted as sons and the spirit is the one who comes and reassures us of that you know we sang that song didn't we um i am a child of god and he's the one who helps us know in our knower not just sing that song in our head but know and experience that in our heart and when we're waiting he wants to come and fill us with the fruit of who he is his love his joy his peace his power. And so when you're standing and waiting, perhaps you'll experience some of those things. If you feel distracted in your mind, you think, oh, you're just thinking about that row you had with your um, brother on the way in or, you know, the, that awkward text that you received the other day. 
Perhaps that's the Holy Spirit highlighting something in your heart or in your attitude that just needs changing. Perhaps that's where the conviction of sin's coming in. He's not showing you to make you feel bad. He's just doing it so you can bring it to him and sort it out because then he can come and dwell even more closely with us. Perhaps in that moment you sense just being surrounded by his love. You know, someone last week said, I feel like I'm wrapped in love. Perhaps you've got a really stressful situation going on. I spoke to someone this morning who's experiencing a lot of grief and loss. And she said, you know, I've actually known the reality of that verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's the only thing that's kept me going this week. Experiencing his joy, not happiness, not some kind of frothy thing that's dependent on our situation and circumstances, but a deep joy within that holds us secure. Or maybe, like our teenagers do in their GCSEs, actually he comes when you're stressed and worried to give you that sense of peace. The last thing that I put on the list is that he comes to satisfy us. He gives us satisfaction. And actually, in a funny way, he also dissatisfies us. Because as we've sung this morning, the more that we know him, the more that we have of him, actually, the more we long for more. He is so good. He's the kind of addiction that we can never have too much of. And so he satisfies us. But he also, in Ecclesiastes, said he puts eternity in the hearts of men. He gives us that longing for more of him. And so let's move on. So what are we waiting for? What can we expect? And the next thing is, do I have to shake, rattle, and roll? A little bit over, over previous weeks, we've seen some of the expressions, the external expressions that can happen when God comes and meets with us. If you imagine him as the, if you know him as the God who created the world, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, then of course when he comes and meets with our physical bodies, sometimes there might be some kind of reaction. And some people shake, some people sit down because they just feel a weight of his presence, some people cry, other people have a sense of, of peace on their face, some people you see their eyelids fluttering, some people shout out, there are a whole load of different ways that we sense and we see his presence amongst us. But I want to be super clear about this. If you are seeing something physical in somebody's body as a result of God coming close, it is in no way a badge of maturity or a sign that they are holier than anybody else. It's just not that. It's just that some of us seem to be wired that way and others of us are not. And so that kind of leads me on to some of the questions that people ask. Some people, in a time when we're waiting, might look around and go, oh, oh, something's happening over there. So why is it not happening to me? That person seems to be connecting with God. They look really peaceful. I'm not experiencing that. What's wrong with me? Does God love them more than he loves me? Come on, guys. Of course not. Read your Bible. He loves us all the same. This is where we need to have our theology bang on and correct. He doesn't love any one of us more than the other. We need to know and understand that. Now, some of us in that moment might actually be a bit worried. If you haven't experienced God's presence before, in that kind of way, you might be thinking, gosh, what if it is me? What if he comes and I end up shouting out or shaking or falling over or whatever, whatever, whatever it is? I'd be so embarrassed. I feel so self-conscious. keep stripping 
You're worried about losing control. You're worried about what, what might happen. And I suppose all I can say is that as somebody who has experienced God coming close, we just don't need to be afraid. He is God and he loves us. And so however he chooses to come and meet with us, if we're his people, we've surrendered our hearts and our lives to him and it's up to him. And we've kind of just got to get over ourselves. Some of us might actually be thinking, why me? If you're somebody who has shouted out or you're somebody who has shaked and rattled and rolled, perhaps you're thinking, oh no, this is so embarrassing. I wonder what people are thinking. I really prefer that I didn't respond like this. It looks weird and I'm particularly worried about what would happen if my friends came to church or if people come to church who don't know Jesus yet. And again, I suppose it's the kind of thing where we've just got to get over it. If we wanted to be surrendered to God when his power and his presence come, then our response is just to open our hearts and respond to him. And I was talking to a friend the other day who leads another church, and I said, what do you do about that? Because for me, you know, you might have seen, sometimes I do shake. Last um, couple of weeks ago, when Paul prayed for me here on the stage, I did a bit of a stomach crunch thing. And on one level, do you know, I'm so glad comes, God, God is meeting with me. I know that he's doing something. But it is really embarrassing in front of you all. But my friend said, of the people I know who are looking for something, not in church here, but who are looking for something outside, they are looking and longing for a God who is real and who is powerful. And so perhaps by seeing him work amongst us physically, by healing somebody or by seeing some kind of other manifestation, that's what helps them to see that he is here and he is with us. And so who are we to try and stop that? And then maybe you're somebody who's lived through this a lot before and you're saying, oh, it's this again. Maybe you have been to those churches and places and seen a lot of the Holy Spirit's work. Maybe you've started coming more on Sundays in the past few weeks because there's something happening. Or maybe you're watching online today, you're staying away because there's something happening. I suppose the encouragement for each of us is not to box God in. Not to look at what he's done before or what he's doing somewhere else, but instead to be fully present to what he wants to do amongst us as a church family. And when I'm talking about manifestations, you know, the Bible does say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's important. But also, the Bible does talk about order. And so we're not saying that this is a free-for-all for anybody to do anything they want to at any time. What we are saying is we want to be a place where we're open to whatever God wants to do. So what can we do to get ready to receive him, to experience him as fully as we can? Well, then Psalm 24 says this, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may come close to God's presence? Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't trust an idol or swear by a false god. And as I was thinking about this, there is obviously the, the fact that we need to keep our short accounts if God's reminding you or nudging you about something that you've done that isn't right, then we just need to say sorry and turn around. But two things that we could be um, guilty of as church in this next season are one, comparison. Why is he doing something different with them than he is to me? And secondly, judgment. We could look at what's happening with somebody else, whether that's an, an external thing or an internal thing, and say, oh, well, they always react like that. Or, hmm, that's just, you know, they're just making it up. And so I think the encouragement is that to be ready for God is to be personally ready, to be open and surrendered to him, 
So when we stand together and when we wait, see what he wants to do in your heart. Don't bother about what's going on around. And if you don't know what to do in those moments, then thing to just be aware of is when we sing our songs of worship, that's when we're giving to God. When we're waiting, that's when we're receiving from God. So you don't need to pray. You don't need to um, do anything particular. But it could be good in the quiet of your heart just to say, here I am, God, and I'm open to whatever it is that you want to do. Now, in our life group this week, we're with the young adults, and we talked about how tricky it can be actually to wait. It's completely counter-cultural, isn't it? We're used to having whatever we want available on our phones all the time. We scroll through, we get those dopamine fixes that kind of give us a buzz. And so pausing and waiting can be a really difficult thing to do. And it takes practice. And so it's important that we don't just wait here in the moment for a few minutes, but we get a practice at home of having a bit of time of being quiet and waiting for God. If you don't do that already, why don't you just start with one minute a day? Put a timer on your phone and just sit there and say, God, here I am. I'm just waiting for you. And every time you feel distracted and think about what's on the telly or what you're having for dinner, just go, come back to that place. God, I'm waiting for you. We can't do all our relationship with him here on a Sunday. It's really important that we have time and space on our own. So how do we get ready? Get rid of comparison and judgment. Have a heart posture of surrender. Slow down, switch off, and wait. And now we are coming into land. And so what are the results? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Well, you know, John Wimber, who started the vineyard movement, said this, it doesn't matter how you go down, it's how you come up that matters. And what he was saying was, you might be somebody who shakes, rattles and rolls, falls over, jumps around the room, whatever it is that you do. Fair enough. What really makes a difference is what's changed in your heart. What that encounter with God has meant to you. Now, sometimes we can't always put language to it, but there are things that we will see over time. We will see his fruit in our character. In Galatians 5, it tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so over a period of time, we need to be checking ourselves and saying, am I feeling more patient than I was before? It's no good doing loads of things on a Sunday and then going and continually shouting at your kids or being impatient with co-workers. Our hearts and our characters need to be changing. He gives us spiritual gifts. We're talking about this a little bit more in a few weeks' time. Prophecy and teaching and administration and service. And he gives us an increased sense of wanting to worship, to be thankful and to pray. And so as a church family, we'll know whether or not the Holy Spirit is really coming and doing stuff amongst us if we see that in our worship and our thanksgiving and prayer. And then also, he equips us to be powerful witnesses to Jesus. You know, in the Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles in the Bible, we see how the disciples, the followers of Jesus, waited for the Spirit to come, and they were filled with power. And it made a difference to what they said and what they did. And so we will see more people coming to know Jesus. We will see people healed and people, lives changed as a result of God. Not just people who we know within the room, but people who are friends and neighbours. And so it's a little bit of a whistle-stop tour about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and who he is. 
And now I just wonder whether we might just spend a moment standing together, inviting him to come and waiting for him. So why don't you stand? And excuse me, Mark, do you want to give me a thumbs up? Mark H.H. Is it thumbs up or thumbs down?